This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Welcome to this 20 Minute Tim's podcast. Tonight I am joined by Boys Analytics Ross Goodwin. How are we doing, Roscoe? I'm doing good, Martin. Thanks for having me back on. Oh, pleasure as always, Roscoe. Pleasure as always. And when we've had you on, it's been up and down with Celtic this season. Tonight <laughs> it is nothing but up, Ross. We're going to concentrate on how Celtic have been in the league games since we returned from the January break. And last time we spoke, we sort of said about getting to this January break, bringing in some players and going from there, we brought in some players, didn't we? Uh, we brought in some real stars. It's actually quite astonishing. The hit rate Ange's had with players, you'd maybe accept one in every two players that hit the ground running, but to have just about every player he's brought in so far hit the ground running and some of the the, the low amounts of money we're paying for the talent we're getting, Matt O'Reilly for one and a half million, I think I've said it time and time again, that is ridiculous got once again Fulham giving Celtic a free hit hit like they did with Musa Dembele a, just a fantastic player that they weren't willing to give the minutes to um uh crazy to see Hitate as well from Japan it's just, it's just been great so far uh this year uh with these players coming in I absolute superstars and that so six games since we came back from January we've had six wins scored 15 conceded three so we're just going to have a quite a deep dive into how Celtic have been. We've obviously had a cup game in there. We've got Europe coming up as well, but we'll concentrate on these league games because they have been simply sensational. And within that, there's a quite a big one we might talk about <laughs> as well. So Roscoe, how have Celtic been? I said they've scored 15 goals. How have they been looking attacking-wise? Are they over-underperforming the sort of XG in there? We're actually seeing some overperformance for probably the first time in quite a while. Um, we're getting 2.5 goals per game so far on 2.16 XG, so it's a bit of overperformance. And to be honest, it's overperformance Celtic have been due for some amount of time. Um, I think especially when you look at the past Rangers games, I think even during Neil Lennon's disastrous campaign, or the XG between the two teams was fairly similar, and we picked up no results. Well, we got kind of that completely flipped in his head. I think um, most data sources had it between 1.1 and 1.7 XG for Celtic in that game with three goals scored. So we're finally getting a bit of positive variance in that sense. Uh, and the other uh, side of things and how our defence, our defence is kind of just 
kept chugging along as it has. Um, strongest defence in the league. Um, outside that Aberdeen game, it was just the one goal at Hearts. Um, but we're not conceding um, that much in expected goals, especially in the first half, as I'm sure we'll come on to talk about. Uh, if we really look at the data, the big chances that we've maybe gotten away with is the Kevin Nisbet chance in the first two minutes uh, of the year, which was 0.54 XG of their 0.75 in total across the 90 minutes, and the Liam Boyce penalty miss, uh, which was probably the toughest game of the season so far against Hearts and probably a big uh, milestone for the team to where they first lost at the start of the season and uh, to really grind out a result there after a very dominant first half performance. Uh, so yeah, it's been a really good start to the season. Uh, uh, well, the year, we've only conceded the three goals. Um, two of them came at, at Aberdeen just there at set pieces and before that was just um, the, single, the single goal against Hearts. But that was uh, four clean sheets, Hibs, Dundee United, Rangers and Motherwell really dominant performances in all four all four of those games where we gave away very little uh, to the opposition. So it's been a really positive start to the year, Martin. Yeah, it definitely has. And the, the, we can talk about the attacking, of course, but defensively, apart from that Aberdeen, we've looked solid. And it's something we've spoke about in previous podcasts and we speak about. We don't give up many chances. I mean, the boys one was... It was a... Sum, was it... Carter Vickers sort of stepped out and uh, went in between, was it Ralston or Juranovic and Carter Vickers? It was just one of those goals that will happen in game, a mm-hmm. slip of concentration, but they've been few and far between, haven't they? Oh, very few and far between. I think, actually, I think that, that still makes Hearts the only team to really play through, break through us and score from open play, really. Uh, I think the, the goal at the uh, that that goal that's not a cross ball. I mean, because um, that's twice they've played through us in both games and got the goal. And so it's been a very rare occasion. We've seen that against Aberdeen. It kind of reared in its head again. Two set pieces, two goals. But overall, scoring from set pieces is not a really efficient way to score goals for opposition teams. So if it, if that is going to be Celtic's weakness, it's probably the best place to have a weakness from a defensive perspective because it's just not an area where teams score a lot of goals to begin with. Ross, listen to this. Hibs, zero shots on target. Hearts, <laughs> one shot on target. Dundee United, zero shots on target. Rangers, two shots on target. Motherwell, one shot on target. And then the outliers, Aberdeen, four shots on target. Domination in there, and it's just not giving anything away. It's been complete domination. It's it, Defensively, it's been great. In the first half of games, like there's some ridiculous stats. Like that Kevin Nisbet shot was 0.54 XG. And I think the first half of the next five games combined accounts for the exact around about the exact same amount of it is actually is that Kevin Nisbet shot which is just an astonishing amount of domination it's basically just other teams having pot shots from distance and that's about it um obviously we're going to come on to talk about the second half as well but the games are pretty much every the only game that's not been basically finished by half time has been the Dundee United game and that has some like interesting like interludes as well as to how Celtic actually go about continuing their domination in games as opposed to Ange being kind of thought as is this all-out attack manager but all I see is a, a manager being extremely pragmatic when the game, when he thinks the game is done, his team is very con- becomes a lot more conservative and tries to control the game and control the pace of the game. So it's been a, definitely a very interesting start of the year to see where Celtic are and where they're actually going to in the future. Oh, it's tremendous! And we're just looking like Man City, Pep Guardiola's team that you don't think about them as defensively solid, but because they keep the ball so well, because they're always in the front foot, they, they don't give up chances. So is it StatsBomb you get most of your information from, Russ? Yeah, I use a combination of StatsBomb and WiseGuide for it, but for this uh, podcast, um, the majority of the data will be coming from StatsBomb. It's generally the best source for the data. WiseGuide's more of a uh, more of a genetic model where StatsBomb accounts for where defenders' positions are, where goalkeepers' positions are, 
Uh, so it's generally your best uh, your best source for a- for accuracy, in my opinion. So within that, you said Celtic are sort of outperforming their XG. Is there any sort of measurement for expected rosters when guys like Hatati are on the pitch and can smash them in from all angles? Well, this is the thing. When you are one of, if you've got really good players, you generally will overperform a bit. You've seen that with Messi across his entire career. Not to make any comparisons, but every I think this is the first season in his entire career he's not um, overperformed his XG. See if you're a lot better at finishing, because the XG model is basically made up of the average, and most players will return to the average or under and overperform. But see if you're always just slightly better than average, you'll always slightly overperform. And that's what I think we've seen. We've seen players like Matt O'Reilly and Hattie come in, and it's really elevated the team. I, I, the the main thing for me is our for me our our best players not even play our best forward isn't even in the team yet <laughs> and when you're going to have players like uh, Hatati and O'Reilly who have increased their open play um, creativity it, it's going to be a huge jump uh, and expect to go I'd expect Keto go to really take on um, the through passes and the creativity of those two players and score even more goals and that's not something I thought I'd be saying uh, coming into early February. Um, so the sooner we have him back, the better. I think I noted that like outside of um, the European games, we've got Dundee at home, and then really the next really tough game, and we should be beating teams like Dundee at home really regardless of who's available, but next tough game is Easter Road at the end of the month, so that's another two or three weeks closer to getting someone like Kyogo back. Um, so that that's really what I'm just looking forward to, seeing this full a full-strength Celtic team in full flow. And I think if you've got Hatate, O'Reilly, Kyogo all in there with a bad down Jota, I, I, I think we become very hard to beat. Ross, I need to lie down. <laughs> it's getting there, it's getting there. We've already mentioned uh, we've scored two goals in the first half in every game apart from the Dundee United game. Why are we blowing teams away in the first half so convincingly? I think it's just the energy. I think we've seen, I think quite a few of the games we've seen managers make multiple subs at half time to try and um, get over the kind of gap in quality and get over the gap just in run ability. Yeah, free from Rangers. I think it was multiple from uh, Glass at the weekend, uh, uh, um, Glass the other night as well. Uh, every team is trying to make multiple subs and we actually see that in the possession data as well. Celtic, um, don't start re-dominating a game until after the 60th minute because they've got a bit. They've brought on a bit more legs in the pitch to try and close us down a bit more. But in the first half, we are just relentless. I don't understand how Andrews managed to get the players into this game. They're fitter than ever. They're running teams into the ground and they're killing games before teams can even get a foot in it. Um, I think Motherwell game especially, we just tore them to shreds every every 10 minutes of the game. We were probably on one or two chances and 4-0, coming out of games thinking 3 or 4-0 is generous on teams. And it's just astonishing to watch. It's also, I think, for the most part, it's really fun to watch. Like Celtic, oh, yes. Celtic are a great team to watch. Like, see if you're a neutral watching football, Celtic's the team to watch right now. We are great to watch. Players are, it's all out attack. Players are running. The creativity is flowing. The movement off the ball is just fantastic. And it really should just be going from strength to strength from here on out. It's players getting fitter and more accustomed to the system, and we get even better players back from injury. So it really just is an exciting time right now. Uh, well, we have been saying that on these podcasts. That this is coming. Everything's going to come together. It's just about getting the players on the pitch and having some options coming off the bench. Uh, what I was going to say there was that was why the Rafe Rovers game was so weird because you were sitting there going, hey, what's happening here? Mm-hmm. This isn't the full throttle I'm used to. And of course, we've seen Angie at the side of the pitch. It was a strange game. I know the the crowd wasn't the same but just the players on the pitch something wasn't right and you're like this isn't the Celtic I'm used to anymore yeah I think the more I think 
the more we get players in that are very suited to this system, the more players that aren't as suited to this system will stand out a bit more. I think we've seen that of the likes of Forrest, where he just doesn't have the energy or the legs anymore to do the pressing game. Beat on. Beat on, struggling with the movement, doesn't have the movement of Cal McGregor to offer the passing angles. I think even we've seen it with, I think Welsh was probably the one he was getting shouted at the most from Ange, multiple times, turned back when he didn't really need to. Um, Ralston and Scales, not as technical in the ball as Taylor and Juranovic. Um, not as mobile, um, Scales definitely not as mobile as Taylor, especially moving in and being a, a creative force in the central areas. So I think as this kind of tactic develops, we're going to see players start to look even better. But when the players aren't specifically suited and aren't first choice and aren't getting the minutes to keep match fit, we're going to see when the rotation comes a little bit of a drop off, and that should be expected. Uh, like the, if players aren't playing every single week, they are going to lose a wee bit of match sharpness, and maybe a little bit of complacency comes into the mix as well with it being Rafe Rovers across the whole game. They offered, I mean, they offered nothing really in threat. No. And the game was um, tidily put away in the end when the subs came on. But at the end of the day, if you're looking to try and break into Angie's side in that first 45 minutes is what you're showing, that's he's not going to bring you into the starting lineup for any kind of CDS game anytime soon. So I think a lot of the a few of the guys there need to buck up their ideas, especially playing out from the back. Needs to be a lot more aggressive. Quite a lot of times, uh, it's been quite a while since you've seen Rogic visibly annoyed at the defence and beat on for not playing it out to him as he's made, ran into space. I think on the eye test, I thought, oh, he, was, he just wasn't having a great game. He wasn't getting on the ball. But going back, reflecting, his movement was good. He was getting into space. Uh, we also seen Hatate pulling off into his wide area and then players turning back and going back to Joe Hart. And that was exactly what happened when Ange lost, lost, well, he lost the head because Hatate was completely free. He'd made the move over to the left side, probably how they're doing training every single day when they're practicing this. And we're going back to the keeper. And then you've got Hart after, after the shouts come, making a 30-yard pack pass through four Rafe players. So it's clear the players can do it. It's more just having the confidence to do it and not being complacent based on the level of opposition because that's something Ange is just not going to take. He's, he'll keep you out of the team if you're going to play like that. Yeah, I think the Rafe Rovers game will be a bit of a weird one. I know we're concentrating on the league games, but just on something you said there, Tony Ralston, I think, looks so much better after he's played a couple of games. Mm-hmm. And like you're saying, I think it's guys like him and, say, if you're bringing in James Forrest or Mikey Johnson, if you bring them into the same, like the other 10 players are the mm-hmm. same players, I think they'll look fine. But it's making seven, eight changes when all these players are trying to get up to speed. I think that's when Celtic lose. But speaking of getting up to speed or maybe losing a bit of speed, is there a drop off in the second half of games for Celtic since uh, January? So th- this is it. So a lot of the games we have been two or three goals up. The Dundee United game is the only exception. So I think, especially, I think the big worry was the Hearts game because the drop off was severe. We completely yeah. we lost complete control of the game. Hitati and O'Reilly were ran into the ground when they shouldn't have been. They should have been subbed off earlier. So in that game, we actually came out. We lost on the XG. We didn't probably didn't deserve to take home the three points at the end of the day after a missed penalty. I think that the XG was one point three to one point seven five. And we get we Celtic maybe deserving a bit of luck eventually, and Liam Boyce misses the penalty, and we go home with the three points. But in the 62nd minute, we brought on Abada. We didn't make another sub till the 86th minute where we brought on McCarthy. And then after that, we brought on Sorrow. But we had Hatati and O'Reilly just running about. The, O'Reilly just came in, hadn't really played the system or any game that intense. Hatati had only just really came in. And Hatati really does tend to drop off after the 78th minute 
the ridiculous amount of running he does. So it's about making these subs a wee bit earlier. And Ange has made, perhaps this is maybe one of his weaknesses, being a wee bit culpable, bringing those subs 10 minutes, 15 minutes forward. We can see it when we look at the average possession. So Wisecout splits it up per 15 minutes. So first 15 minutes, uh, 65%. Next 15, 57. Next 15, 54%. And then in the second half, we drop down to 51% as our players tire and they bring on subs. And then eventually, usually we will bring on subs within between 60 and 70 minutes and we'll start regaining uh, control of the game. The issue is we don't really have, we now have light for light with Roderick back, but bringing on, if we didn't have them, especially during the Hearts game, even just bringing on McCarthy to stabilise the game, offer some legs, offer some ball winning, get control of the game. I think once we have Turnbull and Roderick back and we can do the full rotation, we can keep the the full legs in the midfield and bring on maybe um, two... um, Say we have Kyogo start and we bring up Maeda uh, to keep the pressure on. We're going to see the Celtic team start to evolve even more. But until that point, we need to start, regardless of how much of a fit it is, we need to keep players that can run on the pitch. Because see, once our system kind of st- lacks energy, it can get bit really hard to get out and start supporting the striker and start moving up. Because our team still want to play the high press, but we end up not getting to the ball as quickly. Teams make it get a wee bit easier to play around us and we start giving up territory on the pitch. So it really is just a wee bit quicker in the subs. Um, I think games like the uh, the Motherwell game, we made subs um, relatively quickly. Um, half time, yeah, half time, forty six minute, and you saw us just completely dominate that game. We we crushed them for the whole ninety minutes, and that was due to the subs coming on. We had more. We brought on O'Reilly into the middle of the park, who's got as a midfielder. So we'll go on a bit later to talk about his, the best defensive stats in the league as a whole. I think as a central midfielder, it is ridiculous the the defensive work he does. It doesn't it doesn't really feel like it when you're watching him. But he's in just ninety percent or above for probably the defensive metrics that matter for an inch midfielder. So bringing him on at half time, you're going to continue to dominate games. So this thing a wee bit earlier, the subs we're going to we'll keep the control of the game. But it's that ten minutes spell where we lose a wee bit of control, and we should be bringing on a player to kind of stem that tide, uh, get a wee bit of control back, get a wee bit of legs back in the team. Um, so I think if we do that in the future, I think that will come though. See as the squad gets bigger, um, bigger yeah. and more suited. I think come the summer, I'm excited to see if we add four or five more faces and kind of get rid get rid of a few players off the wage bill. I think we'll see probably a, a near a near enough end product of what Ange wants to build, and I'm, I'm really excited to see what that what that has in store next season. Yeah, we're excited to get Kyogo back, but at the same time, if you were, we get David Turnbull back mm. and you had a midfielder McGregor, Hatati, and O'Reilly, then on the bench you've got Idaguchi, Rogic, and Turnbull mm-hmm. to bring on. That is absolutely sensational. Speaking of domination and absolute pumping, Ross, <laughs> why don't we have a wee quick look into the three 0 game versus Rangers? What an absolute domination that was! Was it as dominant as it looked, especially in that first half? I actually thought it was quite. So the so I had a quick look at like the, the day at the possession stats. So in the first half, um, we I don't even we didn't even have the majority of possession. It was just oh. when Rangers had the ball, they were usually fannying about shanking, yeah, it. shanking it long the ball's in the air so it still technically counts as their possession or they were fanning about at the back not able to actually get beyond our press so this is the issue it was the same with Hibs um, they had more possession in the first half um, but possession in your own final third is not really possession you want to have a lot of it's just you're more likely to lose the ball when you get final third transitions. They couldn't find the movement. They couldn't out. They couldn't out. They couldn't out maneuver Celtic. They looked like a very immobile side. And I think having players like Roof up top, Roof nothing, absolutely nothing in the game. Probably should have played Sakala instead to offer them some mobility up top. 
Uh, they had Arfield in the middle of the park. How's he supposed to com- compete with two very mobile central midfielders? Uh, a, ch- a, a kid on the wing, Diallo, v- very talented player. I'm not going to deny that. But that, that's a big game to throw a kid into. And I think it showed. It, it was it really was men against boys um, for a lot of the game. Um, I think, I think again, Matt O'Reilly, Hatati. It really was just a, a, a perfect game for Celtic. They they played right into our hands. It looked like a team that had never actually seen us play before or prepared for us. They left the the half spaces open in their final third. They kept Kent and Diallo high up the park to, and just gave us free reign. That's the thing. They were talking about Barisic and Tavernier having bad games. They were 2v1 basically the whole game, uh, which, I, which yeah. I mean, they had no chance. They, they had no chance the whole game. That's why... Um, eventually Tavernier makes the error at the throw-in and, the bat- and then Barisic makes another error at the other side and it's just, it was just such basic errors and it, it does make you wonder like uh, how big that, that result will be in demoralising them uh, coming up against us next time because if we go to Ibrooks and take the first goal again against them I could see them crumbling uh, very quickly because they just don't have the intensity to match us, especially in the first 45 minutes It's that time of the year your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. 
Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Oh, Ross, keep talking. That's what I noticed at the game. Uh, Kent and Diallo went inside with uh, our two fullbacks, but it was a half-hearted inside mm-hmm. and followed them. And then as soon as one of them was away from them, they just didn't bother tracking. So that's an, a man over for Celtic mm-hmm. every time. And it's just down either side, we completely overloaded them with Hattati and O'Reilly going out mm-hmm. wide and joining our fullback and wide players. And you've seen that with the, the, a lot of the goals, the joy we got from down the, the wide areas. Most of the goals came from that, didn't it? Yeah, it had just didn't, they only had Kamara in there as like a screen and he was getting ran ragged by O'Reilly and Hattati's movement because he was basically covering a whole chunk of the pitch. Um, Hatati's movement for his um, for the second goal is fantastic. He just, I mean, he just leaves Kamara in the dust. He's too he's too quick for him. He leaves him. He get collects the ball, and he just uses Goldson as a screen to knock the ball by McGregor. Who um, I was quite glad made quite a few easy saves because I think he was quite culpable for that second goal being six. Oh, terrible! Yeah, being uh, a keeper six, if you're six yards off your line for a shot from eighteen yards away, there's a good chance it's just going to get curled round you every time. Um, so. That's a that's a that's a positioning error. That's last season. McGregor was pro- I think was I think he saved him around seven or seven to ten points. This season we've we've seen the start of the year. He's costing points at Ross County. He's costing points against Hearts at Ibrooks. He's now cost uh, a goal against Celtic. Like it's a, it's a good amount of errors um, coming up under his game. And um, we're about time, Ross. About time. Which it really is about time. Yeah, he has uh, keepers do tend to have their age decline at much later dates, as we can see from McGregor and Gordon. But they they do go through it eventually, and you can just see there's that 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 lapse in speed from him um, to reposition himself, and it it, it caused Rangers. Um, it probably put Rangers out, out. It put Celtic out of sight of Rangers. So as long as he's continuing, I'm hoping to give him a new contract for next season because that that is an area they should be looking to improve. Um, but no, it's it's been all good for sale. Uh, uh, the second half data. So this is what I thought I wanted to actually highlight. So the Dundee United game was the only game where we didn't take a substantial lead. So the game state for Celtic from the first half to the second half did not change. Whereas all the other games where we go two to three goals up, the game state changes to probably a more controlled performance against Dundee United. So this issue can Celtic do it for the full ninety minutes. Um, we crushed them in the second half as well. We actually did even better in the second half. Obviously, a badass goal um, tallies up quite a good amount of XG, but Giacomacchus had probably should have killed the game off himself. But we racked up the 1.93 XG to 0.16, and that was with, I think, 10 to 15 minutes, uh, around uh, probably around 10 minutes down to 10 men as well. So this is the thing. The game finished 3.3 XG to 0.5. Celtic ran out deserved winners in, in the end, but I think a lot of... It was a lot of things saying, oh, Celtic um, were held back by Dundee United. I we, we had the chances to win the game. It's just sometimes they don't always go in. And it was good to get um, that kind of fast build-up play, even with 10 men from Carter Vickers to Juranovic to Jota to a perfect cross into the box um, to a bad knock in the goal. That quick vertical passing play um, when Dundee United had tired legs right at the end of the game. Even with 10 men, that's how we beat them. It's the the same. It's the same thing from Ange. We don't we don't stop. They they can stop, oh. and we win. That's how we win the game. That's the same against Ross County. We, I think we went down to ten men there as well. They they yep. thought they could just take a point, and we kept throwing the kitchen sink at them. It's I, I don't know when managers going to learn. That's not going to be a prudent strategy going forward. If you keep letting that Celtic team into your box, they're going to score goals eventually. Um, so I, I'm intrigued to see uh, how managers try and counteract it, but it, uh, I've not really seen anyone do it very successfully from the start of a game yet. 
It's, it's difficult because even when Celtic go down to 10 men, if, if Celtic went down to 10 men, to be honest, I'd probably just stick two up front mm. and leave them out in the channels. So it gives our centre-halves and full-backs something to think about. But you mentioned the Hibs game and how they had more possession than us. Do you think that was a sort of tactic from Ange when Sean Maloney's come in? He's sort of tried to adopt the the Belgian way of playing with this three four three, but not quite got the players to be playing out for that. Do you think he sat off a bit and just let them make mistakes? Because I thought they did all right, but as you said, they looked good defence into midfield, keeping the ball, but they had absolutely nothing up top. They had nothing up top, and they rarely ever got the ball to their midfielders. Like they have decent midfielders, Hayes, Neil, good. Good um, Scottish Premiership level players, but um, using Lewis Stevenson as a centre back at times. I think even Maloney played him at defensive midfield at Ibrox. So uh, some real concerns early on around Maloney. I think perhaps some lack of experience and maybe having lack of players for his system. Um, but I guess you don't want to be pragmatic if you've just came in. You want to implement your style. But it's not worked so far for him, and uh, I can't really see it turning around unless um, maybe Nisbet goes in a run of form. It's just not been great from him. But and just perfectly right. I think we we played the pressing game against them. They wanted to play passes around the back. But see, when we press them, our idea is that they're going to start passing the ball forward, and that's when we get the ball. See if they turn back and go to their keeper, and then come right back into the press and do the same again. They're going to have a lot of possession because our press is tr- to win the ball, stop them going forward, and then we transition right back on top of them. But you can't kind of win the ball in the press if they're not actually coming into the press. They look at the press, they turn around, they go back to the keeper um, quite a lot of the time. But um, yeah, we, I think uh, Maeda had a really good game. I think I had him in the 70 minutes. Uh, his per 90 value was 40 pressures, so he probably had about over 30 pressures in the game. Um, Kyogo has about 10 to 15 usually, so it, it's a... It's him coming off the back of pre yeah. well... Uh, you know, it's, a, it's a good month off he's been and there's some amount of running I think against Aberdeen I think there was a few people out uh, being critical of him but the amount of times he wins the ball back uh, and gets his back in possession it crushed Aberdeen in that first half they, they weren't on the ball because they couldn't actually play See, out from the back I was going to ask you this at the end but I'll just do it now because we're talking about it but uh, when I was at the game the Aberdeen game I did have a few drinks to be fair <laughs> so I thought my uh, I thought my judgement was a bit skewed but people were saying oh Hitati wasn't great and when I watched it back I thought I wasn't but see at the game the guy doesn't stop running and I just feel like sometimes the players aren't finding his run sometimes and the amount of pressing and hassling mm-hmm. and harrying he does is incredible. I think, yeah, that, that's it. When you watch a game, you're only really looking at, you probably only remember a very select number of incidents, but a guy doing that amount of running, Hitati's always going to be a threat in a game. He did, it, it wasn't his best game. Like He wasn't like involved creatively or he didn't get his, his goal or assist. But he was about, he's winning the ball back. I mean, we had complete domination over Aberdeen for a solid 45 minutes. He was a big part of that. Um, I, I I think people expect goal, goals or assists every single game or the perfect performance every single game. But see if you're not going to be great, if you're not going to be amazing, make sure you're running more than anyone else in the team because it doesn't really matter if you're good or amazing as long as you're winning the ball back the amount of times he does because much like O'Reilly um, one of the big things he has over Turnbull is quite a lot of his de- defensive metrics like interceptions pressures are all above Turnbull as well which is why you've seen us being able to crush teams in the first half much more readily because Rogic one of, Rogic's one of the poorest in the leagues for pressures uh, we'll go into the data uh, uh, after we've talked about this um, but it, it's a, that, that's what's been crushing these teams in the first half it's O'Reilly and Hitati's running that's the big difference we've got a bit more of a stabilised back line we've got Juranovic we've got the technical player now at right back which allows our build up play to be a bit more fluent overall and we've got um, 
well, an actual number nine, a, a striker up front instead of playing uh, a badder there, so we can keep him on the wing and get him in behind more often. The the team is really just it's just improving so much so quickly and I think players people see Hatati score twice against Rangers from 20 yards and expect that every week but that's obviously we all know that's not a hugely repeatable action he's not going to be scoring from distance every single week although it, it did feel like that it, it does feel like it at times if he does get a bit of space he's got some hit on him but it's the amount of running these guys are doing that that's oh, that's the difference that's the difference since the winter break is we've got two um two eights or well two eights slash tens that can do the defensive work and put teams under pressure and once we do that to teams in the first half that's why the goals are coming in the first half because we that's when we've got the most energy and they can't play out when we've got that level of intensity how much of an improvement have Hatati and O'Reilly been in there compared to Rogic and Turnbull. Rogic and Turnbull, I thought, were very good, but they were two guys who you thought, I think you can get away with one of them in there. Mm. Two long term, I don't think that's what Andrew want. But then we've seen with Hitati and O'Reilly come in, like, oh, this is what he wants. Yeah, so O'Reilly, th- th- these are the four stats that I look at when looking at O'Reilly. So pressure regains, pressures, possession adjusted tackles, possession adjusted interceptions. So in that central area, that's like, are you winning the ball? Or are you putting the opposition under pressure? So uh, in order of that, he's 92nd percentile, 83rd percentile, 91st percentile, 95th percentile. So he's amazing across the board. However, when Rogic plays, he's 9th percentile, 15th percentile, 55th percentile, and 44th percentile. That's a huge drop off. That, that, that he just doesn't, that, that's the, that's the ability to, to be able to run and be able to actually be a really good defender as well. He doesn't, O'Reilly said he doesn't want to play the number six role, but he could easily slot in there if he felt like it and be an elite talent like he is in the eight or ten. I think O'Reilly, he's, no matter if he plays for Denmark or not, he's still going to have, um, uh, English set, uh, the English settled status. So he's going to be a highly desirable asset. And I, I would say right now, I think in, over the next ten years, he'll be the highest, I think he'll go for the biggest fee. Uh, cause, Jinx, right? oh, I, I think he'll go for, I think he'll go for way more than Tierney. If we get one, we'll get this season out of him and then we'll get one more full season and I think we'll get offered a bid that we probably can't refuse. He's that, I, I think he's yeah. that good. Uh, uh, to see a player put those kind of numbers up almost instantly against all the best teams in the league is ridiculous. Like, uh, I, I, and it, it just gets better, better from there. The only thing he doesn't really do is dribble, but he doesn't need to dribble because his vision no. is so good. He doesn't hold on to the ball very long. I think I highlighted it in the third goal video. The ball comes to him in the central area and he basically plays a no-look pass past the whole Aberdeen midfield over to Greg Taylor, who then plays it to Jota. And then we do get the break of the ball and Ralston headers it in. But it's that pass from O'Reilly that breaks the whole dif- midfield line from Aberdeen that not not many players can do that. And he's got such a... Defensively, he's like John McGinn. Um, he uses his bum very well, uh, manoeuvre players out of the way or come in and nick the ball and turn players and get into space I, I've not seen it I've, I think I mentioned I got to talk to him in the presser uh, with oh I've seen that glint your eye Ross I've seen that glint <laughs> your eye I, I, I mentioned the stats one day and like he is literally near the top the fact that he is at Celtic and not a top Premier League team baffles me I don't know what people were scouting down south but that is one of the best bits of business we're ever going to do um, that is probably some similar to when you am on Van Dyke the guy's been an absolute revelation I can't quite believe it and the question I've got is look Celtic sign players and you can always see that slight flaw in them you can see maybe that's why he's at a club like Celtic with Matt O'Reilly I simply cannot see anything that 
indicates to me maybe that's a bit of a weakness he's got absolutely everything technically what an engine he's got he's got an eye for a pass he's got an eye for goal he is up and down all day he speaks so well so he's a very intelligent mm-hmm. boy and his expected handsomeness is off the <laughs> charts as well definitely it? well this thing so Statsbomb has this on-ball value which is like their newest kind of metric they're trying to encapsulate all the value from uh, a game into one value and it's kind of made up of pass OPV, defensive action OBV, dribble and carry OB, shot OBV and it's kind of like an added metric of this his OBV already is 0.53 that's just about the highest in the league uh, and and he's playing the hardest teams, he's got home games against Dundee's at Mirren St Johnston and things like that to play uh, so I, I don't really know how much better it's going to get, but his pass OBV is 99th percentile. So that dictates like where, how often is he, pa- and how dangerous are his passes and moving the team towards the goal. So he's the most dangerous passer in the league. His defensive action OBV, 98th percentile. So he's got the passing and he's got the defensive ability. His dribble and carry OBV, he doesn't do it a lot. It's the 50th percentile. That's the only thing he's under the seven, that he's not in the, the top quartile. His shot OBV, 77th percentile. And and overall OBV is 98th percentile that's ridiculous <laughs> to have um, for an attacking for a midfielder of that level of attacking and creativity to have the ridiculous amount of defensive ability as well I, I, I'm fascinated to see how far he goes in his career because he, he's still only 21 and if he, spends, if he spends two years here he will have a pick of whatever team he wants to go to he really should um, I'm intrigued to see how he gets on and more importantly in a few weeks I'm intrigued to see if Denmark select him because I'd be very surprised if their FAA aren't all over this very quickly. Because you need now need to get players capped three times. Around, I think it's three times before they can't go for, oh, go to it? any other country. Yeah, I think they changed it from one to kind of keep um, players open um, if they had heritage elsewhere. So you now need a bit more, uh, a few more caps to really tie down a player. And if I'm Gareth Southgate and I'm playing a bunch of dummy games against teams England are going to win against anyway, tying down a bunch of players <laughs> would be what I would be looking at as well. So. Uh, I know that's he's got he's got a decent pick. I mean, Denmark, of course, we've seen are a very very good team. They were off to the World Cup as well, wouldn't they? And Norway as well. You've got guys like Haaland and all that in there, so he's got a choice. And then he could he could go to England, but it's unlikely he'll mm. see much game time there, is it? No, it's it's unlikely. But again, if I, I think from the presser, he's very keen on playing for Denmark very soon. It seems like I think someone posted today that the him and his agent had already made contact with the Danish FA uh, with uh, kind of. Well, I was talking up his mum and yeah. saying he speaks Danish. So I, I think that's where he'll be going in the future. And I think as soon as he signed, I think one of the things I mentioned was that Qatar World Cup has to be a name for him because if he's starting for Celtic, he should be getting somewhere close to that Denmark team because they do have some stars in it. But it's not. It's kind of like the Scotland team. There's some spots up for grabs for other kind of players, and he could really go in and really elevate himself a top tier player uh, very quickly and go to the World Cup so it, it really has probably it's definitely the steal of the, the century from Celtic to get him from MK Dons for again just 1.5 million dear me <laughs> oh it's mental and the, I'm, I'm the same as you I'm trying not to be negative but right now I'm just like do you know what I'm just going to enjoy this <laughs> team because Hatati, O'Reilly Jota possibly Carter Vickers and Kyogo we might get the end of this season and next season out of them. Mm-hmm. And teams, if they keep this up, teams will surely be getting in for them. Ross, last question I've got for you just to sort of complete the team is, with Kyogo out right now, 
Who would be your preference in the bigger games, Maeda or Giacomacus? I think for me it's, it's going to be Maeda. I think he's very suitable to the system. I think when we play Bodo Glimp tomorrow as well, they're a very open and expansive team. They play a very similar way to us. They're going to play a high line. I'd rather have Maeda's ability in behind and, and pressing energy in their centre-backs that are going to be trying to pass out than Giacomacus's more target man style. Uh, Giacomacus, I think he he's a player that I think uh, I've said he gets it. He gets what it is to play for Celtic. He can tell his reactions on the pitch. Um, when we look at his OBV stats, he's actually uh, he's in the 98th percentile for shooting. It's pretty much his. It's the only place where he's really thrived at Celtic. Uh, everywhere else, he's kind of struggled so far. Although I do think in terms of pressures and ball recoveries, he's done really well. However, his yeah. defensive action OBV gets kind of tanked because once you give away a foul, that gives a negative value. Mm. However, for me, I don't think that's an overall negative thing to give away a foul if it's in a non-area of the pitch because the gain is you get the ball and you get a fight and you get an attacking transition um, with their defence not in, not organised. Uh, the loss is they get a free kick in enough area of the pitch. So as long as he's not getting sent off, I think he's actually his defensive force been really good. Um, I think he's actually he's not too, he's not I mean he's not doing the amount of pressures as Maeda, but he's actually been doing more pressures than. Kyogo, which I think is quite surprising. I think it just shows like um, how how like how much is Kyogo going to do now that the system's more flushed out? Because um, we know like when he came in, that was the first thing. Like, what? How much running does this guy do? And <laughs> turns out, compared to Maeda, it doesn't even look like a lot. <laughs> um, so I, I'm very curious to see how they get on. But no, I think Maeda is the player I want to see get a bit. I want to see if he uh, starts to improve kind of going forward. I think we've seen him defend in his defensive action OBV. He is one of the best in the league. His uh, uh, it's it's very high stats. His OBV has been pretty decent. He's shooting. He's been getting into good areas. I think he's just getting up to speed with the game. He's getting match fit, and I'm very keen to see how he gets on. We've seen kind of what we've expected from Maeda as well so far. Very, he's link up play is not a huge strength. He doesn't create a lot. It's very much about that running ability and finding space in the box and that burst pace. It's not going to be about linking up hugely with the other players uh, as much. So I'm intrigued to see how he gets on because I think. Kyogo starter Maeda to come on keep the pressure on and have that kind of continued pace but I also think Giacomacus has a part to play as well he is very good in the box he gets across the centre-backs yeah. and I think Cel- that front post yeah. he gets so Cel- Celtic aren't, haven't been hugely desperate in games so far but I think in games see if we need a goal in the last 10 minutes he's a very good player to bring on see if we want to kind of hold the ball in the corner he's a very good player to come on break up play fills um, take the ball off defenders, run to the corner, hold the ball. He he wastes a lot of time um, by just hassling defenders and stopping play going forward as well. So see when we have all three fit, that's a good that's a good three strikers to have. They each do very different things very well, and I'm quite excited to see what happens when we have all three of them and how we utilise them going forward. Oh, I can't wait, Ross. And the squad is looking strong. Celtic are looking relentless, and as you say, it's been coming and it's really looking forward to the rest of the season well Roscoe thanks very much for joining us no worries Martin thanks for having me on and as always thanks for listening Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 